Hello and welcome to Monster Movie Fun Time Go. I am your host, Precious D. We are continuing our month-long journey of 31 Days of Horror. Today I have with me again my brother Texicano G to discuss Scooby-Doo 2, Monsters Unleashed from 2004. Welcome back to the show, G. Thank you for having me back, Precious D. Uh, Hello to everyone out there in podcast land. Hope you're having a beautiful October. This movie's from 2004, just two years after the last one. It's in color, 92 minutes. Once again, uh, co-written by James Gunn, directed by Raja Gosnell. Uh, did we mention the budget last time? I think so. The last one was $84 million budget and a box office of $275.7 million. This one had a budget of either $25 or $80 million. This is what Wikipedia says. I don't know what that... That's a pretty vague... Yeah, I don't know why... I mean, if it said 78 and 80 million, okay. But 25 to 80, that's... Uh, I'm thinking but if the other one was 84, it seems like 80 would have to be... Yeah, I don't see why they would spend less money. Yeah, and the box and office... And they had more stars in this second one. Yeah, so they're just the payroll's going to be higher. Yeah, I would think so. The box office for this one is only $181.2 million, which is why they never made a third one. They did, however, make some direct-to-TV live-action prequels with them first meeting. Mm-hmm. There's two with a younger cast there in high school, and then there's one that's just Daphne and Velma. See, I, I feel invested now. If they made a third, yeah, I would probably actually watch it. Yeah, even though I'm kind of indifferent to them on the overall. Yeah. Well, again, with the exception of Matthew Lillard. Yes. Amazing job. This one has Seth Green in it, who appeared with Sarah Michelle Gellar on Buffy the Vampire mm-hmm. Slayer, Peter Boyle, Alicia Silverstone, Tim Blake Nelson, and there's a cameo at the end by Ruben Studdard. I don't know what year he won American Idol, but it must have been around this time. Yeah, or at least before, because he wouldn't have gotten that cameo if it hadn't happened. Yes, yes. He's clearly on there as that guy from TV. Right. So The equivalent of the Sugar Ray appearance in the previous film. Yeah, this one... Still no Fishbone in Back to the Beach. (laughs) Fishbone and Pee Wee Herman. Mm. So this one still has a little bit of a supernatural element. It's kind of a science and magic mashup where they're they built some the bad guys built some kind of device that will turn the costumes of their old foes into actual monsters yeah it never really seemed clear i mean it's got to be magic but what exactly how it how it actually works right it seems like there must be some kind of magic and i think they find a magic book at one point but there's also some element some substance um randomonium yeah that is a byproduct of silver mining right that is necessary to the process it's basically a green goo because they wanted to work in a silver mine because that has a scooby-doo yeah. element to it yeah so in this one it starts off they're back together they broke up in the last movie and got back together by the end this one they're together and everything seems fine and they're going to a big museum opening where they're in coolsville where they live the coolsonian museum is having a some kind of Scooby-Doo exhibit and the costumes of all their old foes are on display. And then a guy in a mask, a big dreadlock disco mask with a receding hairline. Yeah. <laughs> comes in with the pterodactyl ghost. And the Black Knight ghost. Yes. Or we don't see him till later. I think we see him later. But yeah, eventually. They, so he takes some of the costumes and then I think breaks in later and takes more of them 
to run them through this machine and turn them into real monsters. I don't know why he couldn't just go to the Spirit Halloween store and run those costumes through the machine. Right. Yeah, why'd they have to be these ones specific? Maybe they um, were imbued with some... You know, it was the Sinister Six of, of Scooby-Doo uh-huh. universe. <laughs> of the SCU. Yeah. Or SDU. So, again, we don't care for... We like our Scooby-Doo pure. Yes. I'm a Scooby-Doo purist. Where there's a rational explanation, not any of this magic bullshit. I love plenty of stories, fiction, literature, movies, series where magic exists. Mm-hmm. But I don't want it in my Scooby-Doo. Yeah. So last time, uh, Shaggy got a little bit of a love interest. Yes, and we got no payoff from it. No, she's gone. Mary so Jane. Is, so there's a couple of there was a couple of pot jokes for the adults in the last movie. Yes, her name being Mary Jane, her and ma- him saying that's his favorite name. Yeah, and the one part where it looks there's smoke coming out of the van, but it turns out they're just cooking up right. some sausages or something. Hamburgers, I think. Yeah. This one, Velma gets the love interest in Seth Green. Well, she had a love interest in the last one too. A little bit. She was flirting a little bit with a guy, but I don't think it went anywhere. I, I would have thought if there's going to be a sequel, we're going to see this guy again. Yeah. No, it's Seth Green, which I'm always glad to see Seth Green. Mm-hmm. I enjoy some Seth Green. He is curating the museum exhibit, and he is one of the red herrings. They try to make us think he might be the bad guy at one point. They do. And, you know, like when he confronts the guy in the alley, that was definitely a bad guy kind of characteristic. Uh-huh. And there's really no evidence anywhere else that his character would behave that way. Well, he tells Shaggy... It seemed like it was kind of forced. He, tell, he tells Shaggy that he was just putting on an act to, because that's, you know, you got to be rough with these people. Yeah. I mean, I guess he explains it. But it still didn't even... I don't know. He was a very complicated character. <laughs> I may have to, to watch it again and, and analyze him a bit further. Okay. Because, you know, in the beginning, he trips while he's walking to first meet her. Yeah, you know, they do that thing where she catches a glance. It seems like they've met before, but she Velma yes, sees she him, helps help set up yeah, the exhibit. Velma sees him across the room, and they play some enchanting music. I don't remember what the song right. is, but they play something as he kind of comes in slow motion, and then he trips. Yeah, so, and then recovers, and the music starts up. Again. So they're they're making you know the very simple trope of well, he's the nerdy guy, he's gonna like the nerdy girl, right? You know, we're gonna have these again. Which, by the way, I think maybe it's just retro active pop culture wanting to make Velma a lesbian. Uh-huh. But it seems like that's definitely become part of culturally her persona. Uh-huh. They even make a reference to it when they're walking up. Everyone has their different fan clubs. Yeah. And her fan clubs are all women who are a bit more exhibiting more masculine tendencies. Okay. You know, and they have signs. They're all very, you know You think they're kinda of butch? Yeah, yeah. I don't. Can we even say butch anymore without being know. offensive? I don't know. But you know, they are definitely more. I just thought they were stereotypical. I thought they were nerd presenting. Not, oh, I thought they lesbian. were totally presenting them as as Lesbians? lesbian women. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they're all your definitely... stereotypical. You know, tough lesbian mm-hmm. woman, Scoo- nerdy. <laughs> Scooby Doo has a little weird dog fan club in that scene. Yeah, too. that was all didn't was need to be done. Because why can he talk and these dogs can't talk and they get subtitles? But they, yeah, they got subtitles, so that, uh, they could understand each other. Right, but he can talk, and he's weird and animated and big, and these other dogs are real dogs. Yeah, give me some consistency. Make <laughs> them animated too. I don't know. I mean, there's always a, a kind of problem. But they, there definitely was no element maybe, of maybe Scooby's from Velma Narnia. being lesbian and I, and the fact that it was made in the 2000s I'm surprised that there wasn't uh-huh. you know I think if it was made today mm-hmm. for sure they would have to 
have that element in there. There's also no minorities. There in the series, uh, Scooby Doo Mystery Incorporated. Uh-huh. There's an implication at one point that Velma might be entering into a lesbian relationship. There we go. With a, a very Velma-like character named Hot Dog Water. What? She her father ran a hot dog stand, and so she everybody calls her Hot Dog Water. Okay, because she smells like hot dog water. Gotcha. Well, that's even a once they terrible be- stereotype. I of think a even woman. once they become friends, Velma still calls her that. Weird. I'm not sure, or maybe she starts calling back. That's her terrible. Woman. Anyway, early in the show, she and Shaggy are trying to have a relationship, but Shaggy's relationship with Scooby gets in the way. Right. But then she meets this girl, Hot Dog Water, that's just like her. Uh-huh. Who kind of does a villainy thing, but then they're working together later on, and it's a kids' cartoon, so it doesn't. It's not explicit, but it does seem like she's spending a lot of time right. with this other girl, just with the one-on-one. And at yeah, that I mean, point, at that like point, she's not involved with Shaggy anymore. So, if they were to make part three, with the current climate we're in, there would need to be uh, a lesbian or gay character, mm-hmm. and definitely someone of color of any kind. Because there was. It was all white people. There would just have to be. I mean, that's the world we live in now. And not well, that that's well, a bad thing. What what color is Scooby-Doo? <laughs> Scooby-Doo's a dog. He doesn't count. But he's brown. But the Alicia Silverstone, she could have been, uh-huh. you know, but then, oh, make the minority the character the bad guy. Then that can get you in trouble. Yeah. It's tough. Ruben Stoddard was in it. He didn't even have any lines he <laughs> well, sang. No. no, he didn't. In the, in the closing credits. He didn't. Now, the Scooby gang actually. There, there was, in the first one, the guy who did voodoo. Yeah. There was that guy. Right. The Scooby-Doo gang is actually modeled on the characters from the show, The Many Loves of Dobie Gillis. Really? Which was an old TV show. I remember show. that show. Uh, Shaggy's Dobie Gillis? Yeah. Yeah. No, no, no. No, Shaggy's Maynard G. Krebs. Oh, right. The Bob, Dobie was the Bob Denver Dobie Fred. Ca- the beatnik character yeah, played yeah. by Bob Denver. Uh, this was the show Bob Denver was on before Gilligan's Island. Okay. So by the time he got Gilligan, he was the big star right. on Gilligan's Island. Well, yeah, same Gilligan. Because, uh, well, yeah, he's the title character. Right. But he was very famous for having been on Dobie Gillis. Right. I remember that show. So Dobie's Fred. Uh, Zelda would be Velma. There was a girl that was in love with Dobie Gillis who was kind of playing. Dobie was always chasing after some hot chick. Uh-huh. Uh, but Zelda was in, in love with him. Well, I don't and know what Tuesday saying. Weld played, I can't remember the character's name, but the actress Tuesday Weld was a regular girlfriend in the first season. So they just sort of ripped off the look of all those four characters for Scooby-Doo. I remember someone saying once that the, the four of them were based on the Ivy League. And like Velma was Smith, Smith College. different schools? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it might have been our brother who did it. Uh-huh. Fred was like Yale. And then Shaggy was whatever hippie school. Berkeley. So, yeah, Berkeley, I guess. And then, is that part of the Ivy League, though? I don't know, but that's where Shaggy would go right. if he went to school. Anyway, I'm I'm sure if we got out the Google box, it would tell us. There's probably many dissertations right. about this. Well, back, but back in 1969, they did they explicitly ripped off Dobie Gillis okay. for, these, for these characters. Just like the Flintstones are a ripoff of the Honeymooners. Right, right. Oh, to clarify, there was a an, an ethnic character, the cameraman. Ned. Ned. Ned, yeah. He was vaguely Middle Eastern. I think, yeah. Could yeah. have been Hispanic, though. Could have been, sure. could have been. Not Sometimes sure. that's a tricky... I mean, I've played Hispanic and I've played Middle Eastern parts before. Uh-huh. I've been able to pull them both off. So, uh, Look at Anthony Quinn. You sure? 
So uh, Peter Boyle is in it. Uh, he would have been probably in the middle of Everyone Loves Raymond when this movie came out. Yeah. And he is playing the their first villain, the Black Knight ghost. Right. The guy who had been the Black Knight ghost. He's been to prison and now he's out of prison and he is a suspect. Yes. And the original pterodactyl ghost was supposedly his cellmate in prison but is now dead. But it turns out he's not dead. Well, I never thought. I mean, Lost at Sea. Come on. Anytime they say in a movie, unless the body's found, <laughs> yeah, character's never dead. On any TV series, oh, he died. No. Did you see the body? Then no. Did they bury him? No. Yeah. He's not dead. He's going to be back so, later. At the end, they pull off the ghost's mask and it's Alicia Silverstone. And then Vilma steps up and pulls off a second mask. And uh-huh. it's uh, Tim Blake Nelson as the, the guy that was the pterodactyl ghost. I can't remember the character's name. Now, see, I thought, I mean, they did a good job because, you know, with their misdirection, that it was going to be Seth Green. Because at one point when, while watching the film, I realized how much Tim Blake Nelson and Seth Green look alike. Uh-huh. And I wanted Seth Green to be Tim Blake Nelson's son who was carrying on his... You know, right. kind of a green Get, goblin. Getting revenge for his father. Yeah, getting revenge for his father because they just looked like they could so easily be cast together. Well, maybe they can play father and son someday. I hope so. I hope so. The The only one I want more than that is my dream lineup of... Oh, now I'm not going to remember his name. He played Hellboy. Ron Perlman. Ron Perlman, Tom Waits, Buster Poindexter... <laughs> As brothers. brothers. They're outlaws. They're doing something. One of them's a a ranger and the other two are outlaws. Something. Uh Uh But those three as brothers in a film, I want to see something. Well, we'll get that with the Daniel Daniel Radcliffe, Elijah Wood team up. (laughs) Yeah. The the fact that hasn't been done yet amazes me. I'm sure there's some silly video that they did for like Funny or Die or something. There's got to be something they've done together. Just... As a spoof. The two of them need to be in For some like an award show or something? I don't know. But they need to either play brothers or some sort of mistaken identity thing. Right. Where one of them's done something and the other one's getting blamed for it. That would, I think, would be the better angle. Yeah. But yes, those two should definitely team up. And I think they're both into making weird little indie movies now. Because they're yeah. so damn Well, Radcliffe rich. went off and did like his Broadway play yeah. where he was like naked through half of it. Mm-hmm. And... They, they've, uh, um, Equus. Equus. But yeah, they're both so damn rich they can just do whatever the heck they want. Oh, they never have to worry. Yeah. I, I saw Elijah Wood DJing once <laughs> and didn't really realize it was him. I kind of rushed him off the stage. It was back when I was kind of sick. Was he handed out flyer, flyers on the corner? No, he, he got come, booked at Spider House and they were calling him DJ Frodo. <laughs> and uh, that may even be what he went by. Yeah, his set was over. I rushed him off stage and later was like, oh, wait, that was really him. <laughs> so I feel kind of bad. He's like, man, Austin's a tough town to play. Because we were all just trying to, you know, hey, just because you're rich Hollywood doesn't mean you can come in here and all of a sudden you're a musician or a DJ and we're just going to, you know, you got to earn those stripes. So then he bought the club. And <laughs> he could have. He could have. I, I wish I would have been, you know, a little more nicer. I wasn't mean. Uh-huh. I was just very business. Right. Your set's over. We need this seat so I can get more tables and make tips, buddy. <laughs> get your equipment off my deck. Uh, so what are we going to rate this movie? Oh God, we didn't even talk about the movie. We okay. ran it about everything else. All but... right. Well, let's talk about Velma's weird cat suit. 
Velma's cat suit was weird. For her date, uh, Daphne tries to help her out yeah, with her I didn't... date and puts her in a sexy, skin-tight, awkward, orange-red cat yes, suit. Yes, so unnecessary because the guy already liked her. Yeah. He had made it clear that he liked her. Yes. He asked her out. There was mm-hmm. no need for her to take that approach. No. And it just seemed cheap and like, well, we do have this really beautiful actress and everyone after the first film realized how beautiful she was, so let's try to just sex her up a bit. Yeah. It, it just wasn't necessary. And she comes out all sexy without her glasses on and her hair done differently. And then she puts her glasses back on anyway. Well, we all know she's totally blind. Right. In both of the movies, we get the, oh, oh no, my glasses. Yeah, buy a strap. I mean, at least she made the joke in the second one of maybe I should finally get contact lenses. Yeah, yeah. Poor girl. But the thing I did kind of like, though, when the date's over, she unzips the catsuit a little bit and her... She's wearing her big giant sweater underneath. Right, the big collar, the big comes collar pop, out. pops out. I mean, there were definitely some some good fun moments in it. If they ever make the third one, I would watch it at this point because I feel invested enough. Mm-hmm. As far as the rating goes, yeah. Were you giving it a four again? Uh, maybe give it a three this time. I don't know. It wasn't Matthew, as good as the first. Matthew Lillard. See, Matthew Lillard thought it was better and it was going to be a big hit, but he blames it on them releasing it at the wrong time. But they wasted There's Tim like Blake Nelson. There's like 13 other movies coming out within a two-week period, and it just got buried under other stuff. I thought the first one was better. As I mean, you know, neither of these are Citizen Kane, Casablanca right. level. It's no Because there were, there were two... Cats. I felt there were too many characters. Uh-huh. You know, we were getting distracted and granted i like a lot of the marvel films that have a lot of them yeah but i didn't get any depth out of it you know there was no growth there was no depth yeah everyone was the same in the beginning as they were in the end for the most part you know some of the characters we didn't even need we didn't have to have the two different old enemies right you know that could have somehow been mashed together have seth green as your distraction mm-hmm. alicia silverstone you kind of wondered if she might be well i mean they did want to they wanted to bring in all of the old characters from a cartoon was there the reporter no not the reporter but the the fact that we have both the pterodactyl ghost and black knight black knight ghost and then the weird one with the the sea diving yeah the old diving helmet yeah again i mean james gunn he wrote the guardian films right uh, yeah amazing great films so clearly he either he didn't have the freedom to write the way he wanted to or he was still getting his feet wet and learning yeah because if you were just told if i watched the Scooby-Doo and then I watched Garden of the Galaxy and you told me this was the same writer, <laughs> I'm like, there's no way in hell. Because there, you know, there wasn't a lot to really make me really care about the characters. Uh-huh. But I mean, they're cartoons. So yeah. do I have to? Does it matter? You know, it's all well, about our expectations, I It's a I good guess. cartoon you do. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, yeah, I don't think anyone involved thought they were making the next I think great I give it a, I'm Oscar gonna, winning. I'm going to give it a three. Three means it was okay. Three means okay? Yeah. I would give it a three... Except for again, Matthew Lillard. He was he was just incredible. Well, that's amazing. four four I is I liked it, and I certainly liked him. He gets a four. As far as an overall acting job, one of the best performances I've seen in a while. Of just really, here's your here's what the character is and is supposed to be, and he got the exact essence of it, and he showed up every day and did that yeah. job. Sometimes in films you'll see that scene where you're like, wow, they didn't give a shit <laughs> the day they filmed this, did right. he? You know, and no, he. Was a hundred percent the entire and time, and it's a different thing from when you're just playing a character that you're creating, right? And sure. When you come in, you're playing either a character someone else has done, or a character based on a real person, right? Or something like that. You know, a well-known, established 
character and you've got to come in there and be true to it but make it your own at the same time yeah well you mentioned this last one too like Daphne and Fred there's not really a lot to work with there no he's clever he's good with his hands you know Fred as far as making traps and fixing stuff but he's really not that smart he is the de facto leader though because yeah. he's the big strong guy yeah you know and Daphne's pretty superficial for the most part as a character so Velma and, and Shaggy are really the only two that lend themselves to diving deep into her performance yeah so nothing against Freddie Prince and Sarah Michelle Geller and their performances because yeah I don't think they had a lot to work with but still I don't feel Either of them had that same commitment yeah. as Matthew Lillard. He was well, incredible. I mean, just Matthew by himself, he gets five stars just yes. on his own. But the whole movie, I'm giving three. Okay. Yeah, I'll give it a 3.5. Only because, even though I just said they didn't give us any reason to care about these characters, I still got it. You know, after <laughs> watching one show and then the next one back to back, I'm like, okay, well, now I kind of care a little bit. And there is that nostalgia of childhood. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, how much do I care about these characters or do I just care about that era of my life? When things were simpler and I watched right. Saturday morning cartoons. Right. Ugh. Saturday morning. Kids, listen. <laughs> we used to have to get up at the crack of dawn on Saturday morning to watch cartoons. We didn't have this 24 hours a day. Five different cartoon kid. networks. Yeah. Plus the streaming. Sometimes we got... No, if you missed an episode, yeah. tough, then you missed it. Done. There was a little Maybe bit... Maybe they'll replay it in the off-season. There was a little bit of some Scooby-Doo and some uh, Sid and Marty Croft in the afternoon after school. Mm-hmm. But for the most part, especially if you want to watch a new cartoon, right. you had to get up on Saturday morning and watch it yeah. on the networks. There was not a whole channel devoted just to cartoons, let alone multiple channels. No, no. Well, and, yeah, there wasn't the streaming, none of that. It definitely makes me feel dated. But it's part of why we watch Scooby-Doo, because that's what was available. Right. <laughs> Not because it got. was the best thing, but because that's what you got. You get what you get, and you don't throw a fit. Right. So, Gabe, you want to drop your socials on us again? Yeah, if y'all are interested in what I do, other than talk to my brother about movies, which we do a lot, my music and whatnot, just search for the Texacano Folk Rock Punk. Put it in the Googles, you'll find... Uh, all the major social media and streaming apps uh, stuff. We got new stuff coming out pretty much from this point on every month. Uh, there'll be some sort of mu- new music dropping uh, from now till I quit writing, I guess. So, yeah, check it, follow it, you know, like it, subscribe it, do what you do. You can find all of our information at anchor.fm slash MMFTG, or you can send us an email at monstermoviefuntimego at gmail.com. Thanks for joining us, and as always, we will not see you, but you will hear us next time on Monster Movie Fun Time Go!